Welcome everybody to another episode of Sunny Side Up. Hope you are all doing well out there and navigating these crazy times. Today I am on, we are on, with a beautiful, fantastic human that I had the honor of meeting through the yoga world. And we have come to learn, actually, we have a lot of cool stuff to talk about. So today we are on with Sam Rowles. And Sam is a medical receptionist by day and also an ADHD advocate and a mental illness advocate. And I just love that. Uh, I can't say I have ever talked to somebody in my lifetime that um, claims that they are or identifies as an ADHD advocate. And obviously the topic of mental health is so crucially important. So Sam, I am just so geeked to talk to you today. Thank you for coming on. Yeah, thank you for having me. Absolutely. Let's just start with the ADHD. Let's dive right in. How did you go down the road of wanting to become an ADHD advocate? Um, It really started, honestly, not that long ago, kind of um, during all this pandemic stuff. I had always known that I had ADHD and I was uh, diagnosed when I was very young, but I didn't know what to do with it. And um, when I was laid off for a couple of months, I was really struggling at home and um, I thought it was just my anxiety and my depression. And I started to listen to some podcasts and kind of do some research of my own to find out what ADHD was. And I started to realize that I was acting the way that I was acting because of this thing, this neuro disorder that I have in my brain that I didn't realize was a neuro disorder. I just thought, oh, I had attention issues. Mm -hmm. So when I finally started researching it, I started to understand what it really was and that there's just so much more to it. It's not just me being flaky Mm -hmm. or distracted or impulsive or not being able to follow through. It's just my brain chemistry Mm -hmm. and I can do things to help it, but it's never going to go away. I just have to figure out how to cope. So when were you diagnosed with ADHD? I was really young. Um, I thought it was in first grade, but I think it was sometime around third grade, possibly. Okay. So you were diagnosed with it a long time ago, but never really understood what it all meant until recently? Yes. Okay. Okay. And how did it help you or how has it helped you to do all this research and navigate and kind of understand now you know what you're living with. Now you can identify with it more. Like, how has that helped you? Um, I feel like it's changed my life, honestly. Mm -hmm. I'm a lot more productive than I used to be. I mean, still not like um, like a quote-unquote normal person would be functioning, (laughs) but I'm definitely able to function better now. Um, I keep a routine and I make sure that I'm consistent with things that need to be done so that I don't just go sit on the couch and binge watch TV when I should be cleaning or when I should be getting my clothes ready or my lunch ready for the next day. So it's just really just small little things that other people have been able to do all their life and me just feeling like I was struggling with those things. Okay. I always felt like, how come everybody else is so organized and can do so much in a day? They don't get overwhelmed and they're able to just do it all. I never understood that. Yeah. So, you know, I would say some people would say, well, you're just putting too much pressure on yourself because COVID and life and everything that we're navigating, you know, we all fall off track. We're all disorganized. We're all scattered. And I could say that to you too. Like, how do you know that you weren't just being too hard on yourself? I think it's because I've been like this my entire life. So I know when I am like functioning at a higher level Mm -hmm. versus like the everyday. Um, When I first started taking Adderall, I didn't, about a year and a half ago, I didn't realize that I was 
really fooling a lot of people, coworkers, friends. Like a lot of people knew I had ADHD and I had attention issues, but I don't think anybody really knew how much I had to force myself to act like everybody else, be the same way as everyone else, um, work the same way as everyone else. And it definitely is a little bit of anxiety. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. But um, I hit it very well for a really long time until I just couldn't do it anymore. I was depressed, suicidal. I was so anxious that it was like something's got to give. Yeah. Yeah, it was for just sure. too much. Well, and social anxiety came to mind. I mean, if you were showing up in the world and showing up to work, always trying to be like everybody else when you didn't feel normal, that in itself, I mean, I would be exhausted by the time I came home. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's a really scary place inside of your own head. Mm-hmm. So the Adderall has helped you. Yes. Okay. And you're working with a professional to manage that or how does that work? Yeah. Yep. Um, I've been in therapy for about actually, I think it'll be two years in January. It's the longest I've ever had therapy. Um, it's also the longest time I've ever followed through with anything other than, you know, like work mm-hmm. or just any sort of hobbies, anything. I never finish anything ever. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it, it's one of those things that's really helped me a lot. And um, through my therapist, because I resisted going on any medication for my depression, for my anxiety, for my ADHD. She helped me um, get in touch with a really great doctor at the office. And I started seeing her about a year and a half ago. Mm -hmm. And so my psychiatrist is managing everything for me. And we meet up now every three months to kind of go over everything, see how I'm doing, see if there's any adjustments or anything that need to be made. I'm super happy to hear you found one that you vibe with, that you like. Mm-hmm. Like that's really important as part of your support team. Now, could you reach out to her anytime? Yeah. Yep. Okay. And I have. Um, she's helping me go back to school in the winter. Mm-hmm. With um, she wrote a letter for me so that I could get some accommodations at the college. So that'll be nice. So she's been nothing but helpful. It's been great. Same thing with my therapist. If I'm ever having a bad day, I just send her a text and say, hey, you got a few minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> or can we meet on this day? So there's been a couple of last minute things that have come up like that. That's been so helpful. Mm-hmm. So for people out there listening that have maybe thought they have ADHD or maybe they just think something is wrong with them, they feel unorganized or scattered or can't finish a project, all the things that you're saying, and maybe they're not diagnosed yet. What would you say, can you give us a little more description on what does ADHD look like and feel like? Um, For me personally, because that's all I can speak on is I have always had a hard time following through. So even like the smallest little thing is a big win for me. Um, I'm, I'm really unorganized. I'm really messy. I lose interest in things very fast. Um, I'm restless a lot and I'm really hard on myself, especially when it comes to my anxiety and how I feel about myself. I'm so concerned about everyone else in my life. You know, how they act always makes me feel like Um, they're acting that way because of me. Mm -hmm. I mean, I get really hyper-focused on things where like I can sit there for hours and just do the one thing. But if it's something that I have no interest in, I won't do it. I have to figure out a way that I can find, you know, something interesting about it to, to do it even. Because most people can just sit down and say, okay, I've got to do this thing. I need to be done with it by this time. And then me, I'll just sit there for hours and then 20 minutes before just try to figure out how the heck to do this thing because my time's running out and I have to do it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Sure. You're a procrastinator and you know, like staying motivated and being consistent is so hard for me and it's so exhausting going to work and working all day and having to focus on what I'm doing that by the time I get home, I have nothing left in me to do Mm -hmm. anything else. I have to force myself because 
most people will just do it. And I have, I could just go sit on the couch and that would be better. Yeah. How does it affect your relationships? Um, it's hard to say, I guess I don't really, I have a, a couple of really close friends that are really great that accept me for my quirks. <laughs> I'm very lucky in that aspect. Um, my husband's great. He is very patient. <laughs> he's a lot more patient than I probably deserve. And he's really, um, especially since I kind of started getting into the stuff he has really been very understanding when I say I'm overwhelmed. I need to be alone. Mm -hmm. I can't deal. I can't handle what's going on right now because I don't have it in me. Mm -hmm. He's been really helpful with that stuff too. And he does a lot of extra things for me to make my life easier, really. Well, that's definitely a bright side. I'm glad to hear that he's in your life. You mentioned um, he is better to me than I probably deserve, and that mm-hmm. makes me sad. Why do you Why do you think you don't deserve that? Well, it's not that I don't think that I deserve it. I definitely I know I do. It's just you know, in your own head with your own anxieties and everything that's going on, it's just so different. Yeah. Um, I I just I went through a lot in like my developmental stages and like dealing with depression in my um, teen years and then being misdiagnosed, you know, with a mental disorder that I don't have and being on medication for it okay. that I shouldn't have been on. So I've, I've just been through a lot of things and family relationships and stuff. So I think it's just that I've kind of just been conditioned this way. It's something I'm really working on though, is to like love myself and, you know, it's silly, but for me, it's nice to be able to pat myself on the back now and be like, wow, I did such a great job with this. Or if I do something that makes me feel good because I made someone else feel good, it just, it's nice. I just am trying to figure out a way to cope with those feelings too, because it's so unfamiliar to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we all have the journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. I don't even know who said that, but that's what it made me think (laughs) of. Um, And I feel like in the time that you and I have gotten to know each other, you're taking these baby steps to this healing because I've said before, healing is not linear, right? And I just think it's so beautiful to see you figure out these things about yourself and blossom. And I'm glad you retracted and said you do deserve it because you do. I mean, we all deserve happiness, Sam, including you. And you're going to get it, girl. You're finding your way there. (laughs) Um, Can we go back? Because you talked, we, you and I have talked briefly before about, you said the very pivotal years of adolescence, some things had happened to that are ingrained in you, trauma to make you feel this way. Would you be open to sharing that with our listeners, going back to your childhood and talking to us about that? Yeah, sure. Okay. So let's go back to your childhood. What, you know, we all are who we are because of where we came from and our environment and DNA and all of those things. So what did your childhood look like? I don't remember a lot of it. Um, the things that I do remember, I'm not sure if I actually remember them or if I saw them in photos. So I remember if that makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, my parents got divorced when I think I was about 11 and, um, like my mom actually asked me who I wanted to live with at that time. Um, she said, whoever I chose to stay with would be staying at our house and the other parent would move out. Um, it was later discovered that she, um, I think a couple years later than that, she um, was diagnosed as being bipolar. So I think she had struggled with that for a really long time before she knew what was going on. And it's it seems just from talking to other family members that, you know, we're a little bit more prone to depression in my family I think personally. So, um, 
anytime my mom got mad at our family, the punishment that she took was to take me away from them. So I didn't really get to see a lot of my family growing up. It was kind of like in spurts and I have a really hard time distinguishing what happened from each time because it happened quite a bit. Mm -hmm. Um, I do know that like the hardest time that this happened was when I was in my early teens and I finally was able to, you know, speak with my family a little bit again. And I kind of was just like a completely different person because I had grown up so much by then. Yeah. And I had a hard time dealing with that too, because I wasn't, you know, a kid anymore, essentially. Well, in my mind anyway. And so I had a hard time with that stuff. And so I've just, I've never felt close to my family because of her. And I know that's not their fault. They didn't do anything wrong, but she would go all this time without speaking to them. Mm -hmm. And it was just really, really tough on me as a kid. Yeah. So are you in touch with your mom right now? No. Um, she basically disowned me back in November of 2017. My grandma, um, who recently passed, she was, um, in a rehab facility or the hospital because she had fallen and I didn't tell her. And so she ran into somebody that told her, which is fine. I mean, I've accepted everything. I'm good with it now, but, um, she had called me up yelling and screaming and telling me that I was like the worst person ever. And that I had told her that if something had happened to her, that she would just, that I would contact her and and reach out to her and let her know. And from there, it just kind of escalated with her saying she was better off without me in her life. And, you know, just a lot of fun stuff. A lot of words were had. And so I blocked her that day and I haven't talked to her since. Sam, I'm so sorry. That's, that's heavy shit. (laughs) Indeed. Heavy shit. Um, So I guess to, to, to come off of that, to, to comment on that, do you feel like, even though we never want to say we want our mom or our dad or any loved ones out of our life. Do you feel like there's been a bright side to her being out of your life and maybe your path to healing? Oh, yeah, absolutely. She's so manipulative. And I didn't really realize until around that time that maybe I wasn't like, you know, abused in a sense where I wasn't being hit and, you know, anything like that. It, but I was definitely mentally abused when I was growing up by her and manipulated all the time. And I would always second guess myself. I didn't know if my feelings were my feelings or if it was, well, this is what she always says to me all the time. So, I mean, it made a big difference of, I think, how I was molded, <laughs> so to speak. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Well, it kind of sounds to me, and just learning about your story for the past 20 minutes, I mean, there's so much more to it, but it sounds like you needed her out of your life to find the true you. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I needed her to do it because... Mm -hmm. Because you wouldn't do it. (laughs) I wasn't going to do it. Right. I mean, I'm better for it. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um, This needed to happen. I felt like... As soon as it did, I felt like this weight was off of my chest. Mm-hmm. But I mean, this also caused problems for me for years, personally. Of after course. That. Of I, course. I literally went through all of the acceptances of like um, grief, basically. Mm-hmm. Was it like the seven stages of grief? Yeah. Like, you know, almost four years later, I'm finally at acceptance, but I mean, it took me a really long time to get there. Sure. And I was angry for a long time. And And I also felt like I was gypped. Like, why do all these other people get to have like this great life and these wonderful parents? 
not to say my dad's not great. I love him very much. He's wonderful. But, you know, like this great, you know, family support system like that. And mine was basically taken away from me mm-hmm. or chosen for me. Yeah. That feels very unfair. Mm-hmm. I think a really great lesson for me the past few years has been about expectations and how expectations are the root of all heartache. And we want something to be a certain way so badly because in our head, that equals happiness. But we realize eventually through work and therapy and yoga and all the things that we can create this reality by aligning ourselves with only those people and only those experiences that elevate us and bring us up and bring us positivity. And it's okay to walk away from things that don't. That's such a hard lesson, especially when it's your mom Mm -hmm. or a best friend or a loved one that you either have to change the dynamic of that relationship and put up some hard boundaries or walk away from it, which in your case, she didn't leave you a choice. Um, And this path to finding Sam, the best version of Sam, is really just the beginning. And and I can see how you would feel gypped that you didn't get to start from that important foundation of a child, but you can still heal from it. You can go back and heal that little girl. There are ways to do that, which I'm sure you know, and then only move forward. And I, I think it's really exciting for you that you're on a journey to go back to school and you're embracing wanting to be an advocate, which helping others is another way of elevating that vibe and bringing yourself up, right? Right. So did you say, are you going back to school specifically for ADHD or mental health or like, what are you going back to school for? Well, I'm going to start at OCC in the winter for um, their mental health and um, social work program. So I'm not exactly sure what I'm going to do with it, but I would kind of like to do something with ADHD, but in adults mm-hmm. and um, possibly coaching. I, I think I'd really like to do something like that. I started coaching this month. Um, and oh, it's been pretty nice to, you know, go through and do everything mm-hmm. and um, it's all virtual online. So it's nice to sit back and watch everything. It doesn't take a lot of time. I can listen to it like a podcast really, but it's nice that I can sit down and take notes. I have a notebook um, or I'm sorry, I have a book that they sent out to everybody that's in the program so that you can answer questions and follow along with it. You, they have live calls a few times a week. I haven't been able to do them yet because of work, but you can go back the next day and watch everything. So, so far it's been pretty helpful. Um, This month is about productivity. So that's nice. Mm -hmm. What is the coaching program called? It's called Focused. Um, It's, I found it from a podcaster. Her name is Kristen Carter and um, she has this podcast called I Have ADHD. Okay. And she is an AD, like a certified life coach, an ADHD coach. Awesome. And she has a podcast. And that's kind of how I started getting into all of this ADHD fun stuff. Wow. Figuring it out. Okay. That's incredibly helpful. I'm going to check that out. And then I know people listening to this that struggle with ADHD or their family members do. That's really good to know. It sounds like a great resource. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So far, so good. Okay. So hope I stick with this <laughs> too. <laughs> I mean, like you said, (laughs) you've already stuck with it. (laughs) I'm taking it one month at a time. We'll see how it goes. (laughs) And we are proud of you for that. We are rooting for you. (laughs) Sister, I'm lucky sometimes if I brush my teeth. I don't have any idea if I'm diagnosed ADHD, but I'll tell you what, we all get stuck in in that ADHD monkey brain, right? Mm -hmm. The ADHD wheel, which is why they say we need yoga too, right? Right. So you're a yogi, mm-hmm. right? And meditation. Yes. yes. Does Brandon, does your boyfriend do it with you? Um. Well, my husband, he tries. Oh, your husband. But, I'm sorry. Husband. But he's not super into it. Like he, he'll do it, mm-hmm. <laughs> but he doesn't really like the whole like spiritual aspect of it. He's just wants somebody to tell him how to move. Mm-hmm. 
But like for me, I think it's calming. I mean, I don't really have any sort of religious beliefs, period. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But there's something nice about just being able to shut my brain off because I can't do that every day. Mm -hmm. Um, And just be, (laughs) just move. And it's nice to have someone else tell me what to do, when to do it, and then just calmly walk me through everything. And I often don't feel like I take a deep breath most days or during the week. So Mm -hmm. um, when I am practicing, it's nice to actually sit there and breathe deeply Mm -hmm. because I feel like I don't take a deep breath most days. Would you prescribe yoga and meditation if you were an ADHD coach when you become one? Is that something you would prescribe? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, it's um, also been nice because that was another thing I followed through with was yoga. Um, Since I became a member at the studio, I was there for over a year um, until I had to cancel recently because of the pandemic. So it's been harder to keep up my practice since then. But it really was a game changer. I mean, other than the medications, those help too. But Mm -hmm. just to figure out how to manage and stress my or um, sorry, manage my anxiety and figure out how to cope with it. Right. And accept it because I wasn't accepting of it before. I didn't even know I had anxiety. I just always thought I was a worrier. Like that's how I identified as someone that worried about things. Like I didn't really understand that what I was going through was anxiety. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Well, Good. I'm glad you found that tool. I also, yoga saved my life. I need the bumper sticker, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, I was always very type A my entire life. It had to be a hardcore kickboxing class or a run in order for it to be classified as exercise. And I'm just so happy that I reached the point in my life where I found yoga and not only did I find it, but I realized how life-changing it is and was that I had to become certified in it. I had to teach this thing called yoga to others for so many reasons, but the breath, the movement, you know, when you go to a studio, it's that 60 minutes and that hot room and that time all to yourself just to tap in, right? Mm -hmm. And I never found that in myself until the last 10 years or so for the last decade. And I'm just so grateful. Um, So I'm so happy you found it and we found each other through that. Um, And anybody out there listening a hundred times over, I would recommend it. So all the, all the yogi warriors out there. So on a lighter note, Share with us the meme that you shared on Facebook because I think it it could propel us into another conversation, but it's also just so true and so funny. Right. So it says, sometimes you don't actually know how traumatic something you went through is until you talk about it like it's just some random antidote until you realize the table's gone silent and your friends are all staring at you like, what the fuck? (laughs) Okay, so Thanksgiving is coming up, right? So (laughs) (laughs) we're sitting around the Thanksgiving table and we just like throw a bomb down of, oh yeah, I went through this and everybody's eyes are really big looking at you. What's something you would say? Has that happened to you? Um, Well, I'm a little socially awkward sometimes and I say things, um, not that I don't mean to say, or I just, I overshare and I don't mean to. So like, I'm pretty open about things, um, a lot more than most people are. Mm -hmm. And I have to really rein that in a lot. And I've always just been honest too. Mm -hmm. So for me to bring up anything at all, it, it doesn't seem strange to me, but when you are sitting around a bunch of people and you tell them that, oh yeah, I was misdiagnosed as bipolar for several years and I was taking mood stabilizers and antidepressants for years that weren't working because my mom had it and she probably really heavily spoke with a doctor when I was uh, in my mid teens. And so because she said that she thinks I have it and she has it and it can really be genetic, I must've had it too. Mm -hmm. 
And so when you tell people things like that, they look at you like, what? (laughs) Right. Right. I mean, a lot of people don't go through just crazy crap like that in their life. They just don't. No, no. Right. That's just not of the norm. No, Mm -hmm. no, it's not. I mean, most adults don't ask their children, who do you want to live with when your dad and I get divorced? Mm -hmm. You know, there's just a lot of, a lot of things. Like the last time I saw my mom, we had a really good day together and she was like giving me bottles because she didn't want to take them back to the store, which she did all the time. She would give me her bottles and cans to return. And she paid for lunch. She gave me some gas money. She gave me a gift card. And I was like, what is going on? Why are you doing this? And she told me that she needed a reason for me to, to keep coming around and seeing her. And I was so upset because I looked at her and I said, why are you doing this? Like we were having such a nice day together. We don't have nice days together. Mm-hmm. And you had to go and ruin it at the last minute. Mm-hmm. So it was just things like that, that were right. hard. Right. And it's been like that most of my life. So I'm just working on trying to accept things mm-hmm. and um, not dwell on the things that have happened and just try to make changes in the future because I can't change what I've gone through. No. But at the same time, I'm not, I wouldn't be who I am if I hadn't gone through all of this. Absolutely. And Sam, there is... I feel like the word vulnerability has been very prevalent and out there. Brene Brown in particular has really made the word vulnerability such an important word in our world and in our vocabulary. And I truly believe that when you own your truth, when you own your story, when you do the work and then you're vulnerable enough to share it, there is a freedom. You shed a layer. If you are like an onion or you are like a uh, snake shedding its skin or a butterfly coming out of its cocoon, it's something happens. And I'm telling you, even now, you sharing your truth and your story and helping others that have gone through trauma, maybe it didn't look as bad as yours or maybe it looked completely different than yours, but it's still trauma. And you are setting yourself free by sharing this truth and you're helping others. And I mean that wholeheartedly that I have really awakened this year to the importance of sharing your truth Mm -hmm. because it doesn't define you. It doesn't, everything that you're saying, it doesn't mean you're broken. It doesn't define who you are. It's just a piece of your story to share and we all have to heal from something, right? We all have to heal from something, but it's, it's just pretty heavy. The stuff that you've been through is hard as shit. There's no sugarcoating it, Sam. Hard. And the way that you are coming out of this is really brave and beautiful. Yeah, it's been uh, very, very hard. <laughs> Yeah, it's probably I mean, the the hardest thing that I have ever been through mm-hmm. um, was this thing with my mom. And I mean, it was since early childhood, but it just got so much worse um, around that time because she was calling me constantly and she was controlling me. Mm-hmm. And I hated it when she told me that I was just like her because I really felt like I was nothing like her. Mm-hmm. And she was just so narcissistic and just so toxic. And it just it was it was really hard mm-hmm. for a long time. And then after it happened, I was just so angry yeah, for so long. And I got into like this deep depression for over a, a year, mm-hmm. I think. And I was suicidal for about a year, which not too many people um, really know that I was struggling with that. And I just had to try to figure out a way to get through it because it was so much worse than any other kind of depression I've ever lived with in my life. Mm -hmm. Um, Once I finally started going to therapy and everything, it still took me a good six to eight months to even open up to my therapist about what's going on. I wasn't talking to my husband about anything either. I just, Mm 
basically closed off. I didn't talk about my feelings. I didn't tell anybody how I was feeling. I was overwhelmed. I would cry. I'd just sit at home all the Mm -hmm. time and read. I wouldn't really do anything except for read and drink and Mm -hmm. sleep. Mm -hmm. I had a couple of rock bottom moments that I'm not proud of. And um, everything finally started to get better. I think it was, mm, uh, gosh, May of 2019. Um, I had just a really bad night. And I was like, I can't keep doing this anymore. And it was just, it was bad. And it was embarrassing. So I'm not going to talk about it. But um, my friend Stephanie was like, hey, there's this yoga studio that's by my house um, and there's a group on. And I was just trying to figure out a way that I could cope because nothing that I was doing on my own was working and I was so against taking any sort of medication or anything mm-hmm. because that was forced on me when I was younger. Mm-hmm. So it took me a very long time to realize that, no, I mean, these are things that will help me, not hurt me. And so um, I had done some of the $5 Sunday classes there. So when Stephanie found the Groupon, um, we decided to go for a month and just try it out and see how it is. Um, I didn't drink for two months, or I'm sorry, two weeks in May of that year. And I started going to yoga classes and I really enjoyed it. And it really helped like just lift me out of a deep depression. Um, Once I started dealing with my depression, I started dealing with my ADHD. So once I started taking medications for that, it really heightened my anxiety Mm -hmm. because that stuff was just being masked for so long. So it's just been kind of one issue after another that I've just been trying to cope with, trying to deal with. Um, And, you know, it, it really has felt like I've started to feel better on this front, but now something else has popped up. Right. So it's like I have to keep working through literally everything that's going on because it hasn't been – it's been so uncomfortable, especially the ADHD stuff. It's like reading about it and like time blindness. Like I was at Kohl's – no, I was at Great Lakes Crossing on Friday because I got out of work early. I was there for like four or five hours. I don't know how that happened. I looked down and I was like, oh my God, it's almost seven o'clock. My husband called me. He's like, are you coming home anytime soon? This is like a thing that happens to me all the time. I'll start doing something and I won't remember. I won't know what time it is. Wow. And then I'll look up and it's dark out or it's several hours later. I'll go out to a store just to go grocery shopping and I won't return for hours. I mean, that's kind of scary. Yeah. And it's not that anything bad is going on. It's just that like, I'm browsing at things. I'm at the grocery store. So it's like, I'm cognitively aware of everything that's going on Mm -hmm. while I'm doing it. It's just, I can't make decisions very well. So like one time I was at Hobby Lobby for like five hours. Mm -hmm. I'm not even exaggerating. Mm -hmm. My husband's like, what, what is going on? What are you doing? Mm -hmm. And that was kind of in the height of when I started to figure out more about my ADHD and that this was actually a thing. Yeah. (laughs) Everybody with ADHD struggles with this. I can't ask for help either. I'm not good at it. I feel like if I ask for help, it's validating that I can't do something. Mm -hmm. And I know that's not true, but I've been trying so hard to ask my husband for more help instead of me feeling like, oh, if I don't do this this way, it won't be done the way that I like it or it won't get done at all. Mm -hmm. Trying to help, you know, ask for help has been so hard (laughs) for me. It's just all of these things. It's just so overwhelming to make changes in your life and try to better yourself. Yeah. And it's also very hard for me that I am doing this and to watch all of the people around me still act the same. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I think that's been um, the biggest challenge for me, honestly, Mm -hmm. is I feel like I'm growing and I've made so much effort and so much change and I'm sitting back and everyone else is still the same. Still the same meaning what? it's very frustrating for me because it's like, especially like with work stuff or, um, just personal life. I, 
try to be as positive as possible. I've never been an optimist. I was always a pessimist for basically my entire life. And now I, I do consider myself more of a realist. But I have a hard time with when people are in a bad mood or when people are cranky. I always feel like it has something to do with me. So it's really hard for me to sit back and go, okay, well, this so-and-so is not acting this way because of me. They're acting this way because this is how they are. Or mm -hmm. maybe they're unhappy. But that has nothing to do with me. So I have to always tell myself to take a step back that the way that they're acting towards me isn't necessarily because of me right. or how they feel about me. 100%. And, and that's been, I think, the hardest part for me amongst people <laughs> is trying to like disassociate myself from their feelings. Yeah. I feel like that's a really hard lesson for most people that we take things so personally and this person doesn't like me and it must be something that I've done. But mm -hmm. in reality, like you said, it has nothing to do with you. It's on them. It's their own baggage, their own experiences, right? Right. So you're not alone by any means in that. Um, I wrote down too when you were talking, and I'm sorry if you hear my dogs in the background. <laughs> you considered yourself a, pe a pessimist. Pessimist? <laughs> yes, I know. You're so uh, like sunny and you don't even understand that word or how to say I, it. I now. can't even <laughs> say the word pessimist. Oh my God, that's funny. Um, that is really funny. <laughs> um, but I wrote down that pessimism is a protection mechanism. Yeah. So, Absolutely. which happens to rhyme, but I, I've, I've seen this a lot where pessimism is a protection mechanism because you had to protect yourself, Sam, from so much in life that why would you be an optimist? And mm -hmm. it's okay, just so you know, to change that at any point. I mean, you're freaking on a podcast called Sunny Side Up Girl. <laughs> <laughs> and it doesn't mean we have to have sunshine flying out of our asses. It doesn't mean we have that life is rainbows and unicorns because it is not. This, the purpose of this podcast is not even to say that it is. It's how we own our truths and show up for ourselves and find the sunshine in the shit storm. Right. So, and you are doing that. You are an example of doing that. So that P word. <laughs> that I can't <laughs> Maybe we're going to take it off the table. <laughs> Uh, I love it. I love you. Um, a question that I ask everyone, I, I came up with like a few questions that I want to ask everyone and I, I don't ask all of them, but this is a perfect one for you. So I want to add, I want to ask what obvious or obscure ways has sunshine made its way to your life? Obvious or obscure. I, I really think that this whole like falling out with my mom has been the healthiest thing that could have ever happened to me because I mean, I went through a lot while it was happening, but I started therapy and I actually stuck with it. Um, I've managed to like figure out how to manage my depression and my anxiety, deal with my anger, like all these things and understand myself. I, I didn't understand myself really until this year. Mm -hmm. And I finally feel like I'm starting to kind of get it. Yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. Like, I don't know. I've just gone through my life going through it, not really understanding my quirks or my depression or me being nervous, which was actually like a boatload of anxiety. Mm-hmm. And it's just been really good for me to manage panic attacks and outbursts and, you know, self-worth, body image. Like, I am very, I'm very grateful, actually, that this happened to me. I'm just not the same person that I used to be even a year ago. Wow. Holy shit. I wish I could reach through the screen and hug you. That was a break. That was a breakthrough moment. Like to say that, that's so brave, Sam. 
Yeah, it's so it's terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> Everything I do nowadays that um is quote unquote brave is just terrifying and makes me feel anxious and <laughs> uncomfortable. Brave, brave is terrifying. Yeah, of course yeah. brave is terrifying. And I am but it's just always uncomfortably uncomfortable right now. <laughs> it's the gift. But, the, the gift is on the other side though. Yeah. Yeah. The gift is on the other side. So incredible. Such an incredible story. Okay. So moving forward in your quest to help others understand ADHD and mental health and the next chapter of your life, which I'm so excited to follow and be a part of and witness your becoming Sam (laughs) 2.0, we'll call it. What what have we not talked about today? What is burning in your heart and your soul that you want people out there to know? Mm-hmm. Want people to know. Let me look at my notes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, well, I mean, I'd like to people to understand, you know, ADHD and that it really is like a neurological disorder, basically. It's not just that, you know, you're a little flighty. You can't follow through with things. It just, we're not neurotypical. We don't think the same way as everyone else. And that's okay. I mean, we do everything everyone else does just a different way. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's no reason to feel bad about that. If you have to, you know, force yourself to do things a little bit differently, Mm -hmm. to stay motivated or keep a routine to be consistent that's okay too. I mean, I think I've just recently accepted that if I don't put my clothes out the night before, get the coffee ready, have all my lunch and everything ready together, I will be late for work. I will not leave on time. Mm-hmm. And even nine times out of 10, when I do that stuff every single night, I still don't leave on time. <laughs> I, I'm late for everything. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, just, I guess I'd ask people to, you know, be kind to us. We're trying. You know, Mm -hmm. we can be frustrating sometimes. We can have mood swings. I mean, we know that, but we're trying to go through it too. It's not just our loved ones around us. We also are struggling to understand ourselves, you know, especially with having other issues like anxiety and major depression and everything. It's just, we can only do what we can do. Mm -hmm. Well, The signature of my email says, it said it for years and years, be yourself, everyone else is taken. And what you said just made me think of that because if you can learn to embrace your quirks and accept yourself for who you are and also not demand that people accept you for who you are, but realize that if they can't accept you for who you are, then that's on them. Kind of like we talked about, right? So I love, I even wrote down, embrace your quirks. I think that's a really good message for tweens and kids out there, right? Because when we talk about ADHD, there's, I mean, do you know the numbers of how many kids? Isn't it like rampant? That's a lot. You know, and two, it's so much different nowadays than when I was in school Mm -hmm. because testing wasn't the same way. I have a friend who is a school, a school psychologist, and she recently helped me go through all of my elementary, middle school, and high school records from all of my um, special education testing to help understand, like, do I have some sort of other disorder, uh, learning disorder, anything else? And it seems like it was just my ADHD uh, that was keeping me in special ed basically the entire time I was in school. And you know, that hurt me a lot, I think, academically, because by the time I graduated, I didn't go to college, really. I went to a community college for really just a semester or two, and I only took a couple of classes and didn't get very far. So now I'm kind of starting from the bottom again. And it's I think that kids have a lot more of an advantage nowadays. And they know so much more, too. Like Mm -hmm. back then it was just, oh, well, stay in these small classes, take your Ritalin. Mm -hmm. And that was, well, 
check up with you every year, see how you're doing. And it seems like everything's a little bit more extensive now. Right. And, you know, everybody's so much more open-minded than they used to be back in the 90s. You know, mental health isn't stigmatized the same way that it used to be. And we still have a long way to go, though. I yeah, mean, definitely. Absolutely. Coming from where you're talk- talking about, but I would agree with you so much that, I mean, we have to keep plugging away at mm-hmm. that. You know, and if you felt isolated, maybe it's a good word, like growing up, they so you're saying they put you in a special, like, a special education room mm-hmm. with, other kids. with other kids, misdiagnosed you, put you on a bunch of other medications when really the whole time it could have just been ADHD, right? Yeah, basically. I mean, the um, bipolar stuff happened in high school. <laughs> so, okay. but yeah, I mean, it's just, I don't know. I, I really think that it was also my mom pushing to keep me in those classes. She just was not patient. Um, had a really hard time helping me with homework from what I can remember anyway. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know that, I think that it, things could have probably been a little bit different now if I had a chance to grow academically from a young age. I'll never know. And I can't dwell on that either because I can't go back and no. all that stuff. No, right. So there's no reason to. I mean, I just stressing myself out for no reason, but, um, it was, it was just such a different time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like nowadays you have like counselors that are a lot more attentive. Um, people are just, they know more about, um, being on like the spectrum for examples. Um, you know, even parents act so much differently now than they did back then. Back then it was, Oh, she'll be fine. She'll figure it out. You know, I I think parents nowadays are a lot more involved than they used to be in their their children's education Mm -hmm. and, you know, their mental health even Mm -hmm. than they were back in the day, so to speak. (laughs) Well, and there's more checks and balances. You know, I have several friends that are social workers and um, the IEP reports and, and the different things, the checks and balances that, you know, if the parents are failing the kids, you're hope- hopeful that the school system will at least at least intervene, right? Right. Um, I could see that being a part of your ADHD coaching or outreach and reforming, right? Reforming mm-hmm. in schools, reforming at homes, re- reforming. Um, do you think do you think there needs to be reform for ADHD awareness? Um, I think it's just not really understood. Uh-huh. And and I'm saying that as a 35-year-old woman that didn't understand that I had a neuro- neurological disorder until like two months ago. Yeah. So I, I just don't think that people understand it. I think it's like a lot of different types of disorders. Mm-hmm. You know, like you've got cancers and um, different things like that where people know what happens with breast cancer. I mean, there's so much awareness about that and so many charities and so many walks and things that happen that, you know, that's a little bit more cut and dry. People understand something like that. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to your mind, there's just so much Mm -hmm. and it could go so many different directions and what's going on. I just think that people don't really have an understanding. Yeah. And I don't blame them because why would they need to? Unless it's something that's happening to them, why would they need to know anything about that? Unless they were interested. True. That's true. Like if you're not affected or impacted by it, right. Why would you, right. That's true. Right. It's just like anything else in life, I think. Yeah. 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 So what other resources and tools, podcasts, books, um, a a few other resources that are out there that you would recommend for people that are living it, are, you know, navigating it? Yeah. So I'm really big on Instagram. Well, I'm not big on Instagram. I'm big into Instagram. Um, I only have like 19 followers on my ADHD platform. So, <laughs> But there are a couple of accounts that I really like, um, mostly like their cartoon ones, like little cartoon memes that they do. Um, and it's just funny to see that kind of stuff and go, oh my gosh, yeah. That's what I go through every single day in my life. Yeah. 
So there's one that's um, the underscore mini underscore ADHD underscore coach. And that one's pretty cute. She does a lot of like doodles. Okay. Different things that like they're little comics basically. And um, they put them up there. But it's just nice to follow accounts like that because it gives you a laugh. Mm -hmm. And it makes you feel good Mm because you're like, oh, yeah, other people struggle with these things. It's not just me that have these issues. Right. Um, Also, like I have a friend who has ADHD as well. So uh, it's nice that I can just talk to her about everything. Mm -hmm. And I can send her like 20 boxes of text, (laughs) long or not. And she'll answer all of my questions all the time or you know, isn't bothered by any of my quirks or anything, but Mm -hmm. it's nice to have somebody else to bond with. So I'd recommend finding a friend that you could speak to about these things because my husband loves me very much and I love him, but he's not in my head and he doesn't, he has an understanding of how it works, but he's not living it. So Mm -hmm. I can't expect him to understand what I, I go through every day. It's not fair for me to do that. Right. But I haven't really read too many books or anything yet. Um, I'm kind of starting with all this, but I think that the biggest game changer for me so far has been um, the I Have ADHD podcast. And then there's also um, when I first started looking into everything before I found that podcast, because I was just starting to get interested in figuring out what it was, um, there is this... Um, website. It's called Attitude Magazine. And they have a bunch of like different resources. And um, I printed some of this stuff up for my husband to read when I first started looking into everything. And then that was kind of how I decided to um, go into looking for podcasts to listen to. So far, I've only found one that I actually enjoy. And I listen to so many podcasts. So I don't have time to waste on things that I don't like. Right. But yeah, they've just got a bunch of um, like articles and they have sections for adults with ADHD and about nutrition, relationship, organization, things like that. So it's just, they're little like almost like uh, listicles or a little small um little small, um, articles. So they're easy to kind of look at. And I don't know, it just, the more I dug into it, the more I was like, Oh, okay. Awesome. Well, I will, um, put it in the comments too. So I like to list the resources. So, uh, for everybody listening, the attitude magazine and then Instagram accounts, I'll put those in the, the section. So, um, I want to end today if you're okay with it. Um, I loved learning about your aura photo experience. <laughs> can we can we end with that? Can we yeah. talk about that quickly? And we'll give a shout out to to that business because supporting local businesses, uh, I love to do that. So tell us tell us what that was. Um, I went to this place in Detroit called Aura Aura. And it was really cool. Um, I've been like exploring auras and just other things lately, like crystals and mm-hmm. <laughs> just the things that I, I I never thought I'd be looking at ever. And um, it was really cool. It's like a dome that you sit in and you sit down inside and they actually put your hands on like two boxes And there's like a metal handprint that you put your hands on. And then she just takes a quick photo. It works like with magnets and then it develops like on a Polaroid. And so then she went through and kind of explained to me, like, here's what to expect. This is what, you know, this arch here means. This is where your incoming energy is versus your outcoming energy. Um, what you aspire to be different things like that. And then, um, she spent about 10 minutes or so going through the actual color reading. And it was just really interesting because I thought it was pretty spot on Mm -hmm. just from the color. And I know that these can also be really unreliable, but it was still cool to sit down and like, feel like 
I was kind of validated a little bit Mm -hmm. in what I was doing and what she was saying really just aligned for me. Mm -hmm. It was just, I don't know. It just felt nice. (laughs) Yeah. Not explain it any other way. It really, really was validating for me to be like, okay, I'm not crazy. I feel like I'm going through these things too. Right. It's so nice that somebody like recognize this. Right. Right. No, the, the whole experience was so neat to learn about. And Sam showed up to one of my yoga classes and brought the photo, which was so beautiful. It was the picture of Sam and you could see her aura around her. And I, I remember, I think there was like a lot of green, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of green on the top. Yeah. And like yellow yeah. in the middle. Yeah. And so right over my heart chakra. Yeah. Yeah, it was yeah. really cool. <laughs> really cool. Well, I I want to do it sometime. I think that was really neat. And um, I wanted to shout out to Aura Aura. So thank you for sharing that with us. And just another tool of finding yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Peeling back the layers. Well, thank you so much for being on Sunny Side Up. Um, once again, I feel like we could just talk for hours and hours. And I would love, if you're open to it, I would love to have you come back on um, down the road and tell us what you've learned going back to school for this, for stuff, for ADHD, for mental health, you know, update us on your journeys and your, uh, path to healing. Um, and then where can people find you? How can they follow you, Sam? Well, I have my, um, personal Instagram account. Um, nothing really exciting goes on there, but Lots of pictures of dogs and my husband. Okay. <laughs> and um, that one is sam.am.i. And then I started an ADHD awareness Instagram. Um, but because I have ADHD, I haven't been doing a very good job with it. Okay. Because it was another impulsive decision I decided to make. So um, I have 19 followers mm-hmm. and two posts so far. I do have plans to do other things. I'm just... Like with life, I take my time with everything. Um, and that one is ADHD.Sam. ADHD.Sam so we'll yeah. on Instagram. Okay. Yeah. So we'll we'll see what happens. Hey, <laughs> I'm trying. I'm throwing a few followers this week. Right, right. <laughs> well, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. You are a delight and I know I'm rooting for you and I know everybody out there listening to this is rooting for you. Um, So thank you. Thank you. I had a lot of fun. Good. All right. Talk to you later, girl. All right. Sounds good. As always, I want to end today's podcast by saying thank you. Thank you to you, Sam, for being brave and bold and sharing your story. It was beautifully done, and I'm just so grateful that you are along for this ride and journey and process. So thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And I also want to mention that it's midweek. And already so far this week, I've had several conversations with people about Sunnyside Up. And many have asked me, well, what is it? What's it about? Why did you call it Sunnyside Up? And my answer is this. Yes, I was born Sunnyside Up, and it's very fitting to who I am. But the thing is, and the premise behind the mission of Sunnyside Up or the objective of this podcast is that we connect through our stories. We all have a story and we all have something to share about ourselves. And one gal that I was talking to this week, she said, well, you know, why would you ever want to interview me? My story isn't, isn't interesting. It's not fascinating like some of these other people you're talking about. And, and I said, on the contrary, that is absolutely not true. We all have something we've been through, somewhere we've been to, um, and somewhere we're going. And just in the brief five-minute conversation I had with her, she's like, you know, actually, I was adopted, and I wasn't born in this country. And the stories start to come out, and we start to see that there's that that layer upon layer we can shed and start to see each other in these stories. 
And really, that's what I want this podcast to be about. I want it to be about breaking down the barriers, opening up our hearts, taking down our walls, and seeing the bright, sunny spots in the dark parts of life, but just really, at the end of the day, connecting through everything, connecting through stories. So thank you for continuing to come back. Please keep listening, subscribe, like, share, review. It really helps and keeps things rolling for me. If you'd like to be a guest on Sunny Side Up, you can email me at bornsunnysideup at gmail.com or find me on Instagram at Allie Marie Long. Have an amazing week ahead, guys. Talk to you soon.